Well, good morning. It is uh, so, so very good to be here uh, in the house of the Lord, uh, in his presence to worship him this morning. Um, if you're new here, my name is David Hackney. I serve as our lead pastor, and we want to say thanks for joining us today. Uh, if you're a regular attender, a, a member, uh, it's just always good to be with you uh, to worship Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one who's paid our debt and who washes us clean um, from all of our sin and unrighteousness. Um, it's been a week, hasn't it? It has been a week. I've been, uh, my heart's been broken this past week or two, as I'm sure yours has been too. Uh, we've, we've watched uh, the world. We, we, a couple of days ago, we, we saw a couple of terrorist attacks take place in places like uh, Tunisia and Kuwait and France. I'm not sure if you've seen the news about those attacks. It's, it's devastating. It's heartbreaking. Um, we've, we've watched down in South Carolina, uh, nine people who were uh, together in a church with a prayer meeting uh, gunned down by, by gunmen. Um, a lot going on in our nation that we have to be aware of and, and, uh, and be praying for. Even just a couple of days ago, as we all know and we all have uh, mixed emotions and uh, maybe ramped up passions about the, the Supreme Court ruling on same-sex marriage, um, all these things are going on. Uh, I would say clearly to you this morning, um, all of these things are um, in opposition to the gospel, um, in opposition to the gospel. Um, and so we need to uh, have conversations about these things, all right? We need to know as a church how to respond. We need to know how to love people well. We need to know how to unite, uh, how to teach our kids and our church members uh, the truth of the Bible. And, and so we don't want to go off our opinions and feelings we want to open the Word of God and say, what does the Word of God say to these things? And so you and I, honestly, we can't do a whole lot to change any of these things, right? Uh, part of being a submitted to Christ is we're in submission. As we sung this morning, we are weak in need of His strength. And so the only thing that I know how to do um, is, is pray. It's pray. And so what I want to do as we begin this morning is I want us to pray for these, these topics um, I'm going to lead us in prayer, and uh, I want to ask everybody, if you would, go ahead and just stand with me uh, in unity, just stand together. Um, and so I'm going to pray, and you can listen to my prayer, but um, if you'd like to, I, I would encourage you to pray your prayer. I believe that God wants to hear us rise up prayers unto him. And so this morning, let's just take a couple of moments and pray about any of these things, that God would be glorified uh, in the midst of these things. So let's pray together. Father, this morning we come before you, we come before you broken, we come before you uh, sorrowful as we think about all the things that's happening in this world and how quickly our world is running away from Jesus Christ. God, we, we lift up to you even now all of the families and the nations that have been uh, devastated by these attacks in Kuwait, Tunisia, and France. God, all of these, these people who were uh, going about what they were doing and, and who, were, uh, who were killed by these attacks. God, we pray for their families. We pray for the nations to rally around this idea of truth and Christ and unity. And God, maybe we proclaim that, oh God, that you're victorious. God, I pray that in all of these situations, God, that the name of God would be uh, glorified. We pray, God, healing for these families, healings for these nations, healing, God. In Jesus' name. 
God, we lift up to you as well this church down in South Carolina. God, brothers and sisters in Christ who have watched nine of their members perish in the hands of a gunman, God. God, we ask that you would bring healing to that community, bring healing to that church. And God, as we've witnessed over the history of humanity, when things like this happen, people are flocking for answers. People are having questions. And the answer is simply Jesus Christ and his love and his grace. So God, I pray healing and protection and strength and unity in that community, God. And God, I pray that just hundreds and hundreds of people would come asking the questions and that they would be able to provide them with truth, and the truth being that Jesus Christ saves. Father God, we also ask God for this Supreme Court ruling, God, that is, has gone on. God, we have so many mixed emotions, thoughts, and feelings about these things. But God, your word says that your word is truth, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he does not change, nor does his truth change. And so God, I pray for all of us here this morning, all of those Uh, in the world who claim to be in Christ, that we would just simply stand for truth, that, God, we would know the truth, that we would love other people well, and to anyone, that we would proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, in fact, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. He saves, and his truth is what we will stand upon forever. So, God, help us as we uh, engage the world. Help us not to change our uh, thoughts about your word. Help us to be courageous and bold and strong and also loving in these days ahead. Because, God, we know that trial and tribulation is going to come at a more rapid pace in the days to come. So help us, God, as the Ansonia First Church of God, but even more importantly, Lord, as a church, God, the, the, the global church, to be united in your truth, to stand firm in the faith, and to love other people well. We thank you that we have your word. We thank you that we have Christ Jesus living inside of us. God, we ask all of these things in unity and all of God's people said with me, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, if you've been with us the past couple of uh, weeks, we've been in the book of Galatians. And this summer, we're going to go through the book of Galatians uh, kind of in sequential order. And so if you have not yet already, we have a guide for you uh, out at the Welcome Center that's going to tell you exactly what scriptures we're going to be going through every week. Uh, My encouragement is that everybody here grabs one of those, puts it in your Bible, and just kind of reads along with us so that you're more prepared um, with more thoughts on the scriptures that we're going to be hitting that particular weekend. Um, We also have some questions out there for you if you're in a life group. Our life group uses these to ask uh, deeper questions on the topic. But if you're not in a life group, feel free to take one as well. Uh, It's a half sheet of paper that will kind of engage your mind and your heart more this week, and you can even use it as a study guide as you uh, digest the scriptures that we we talk about. Well, today we're in chapter 2 of Galatians, if you want to go ahead and flip to chapter 2 of Galatians. Um, And today what we're going to see is some action, all right? Uh, We're going to see Paul, uh, the person who wrote this book, he's going to be confronting um, people, all right? Uh, So there's some action that takes place. We see some relationships that are restored through this confrontation. And at the end of the day, uh, we kind of want to answer this question. Uh, The question is this, what pleases God? That's kind of the question we want to try to answer today. What pleases God? What pleases God? And so because we just sang and stood and because we just prayed and stood, I'm going to let you guys sit down this time, all right? We have a lengthy text this morning that I want to read as we kind of unpack what Paul is saying here uh, in Galatians. 
So if you have your Bible, read along with us. Uh, if not, the words are on the screen. You can feel free to read from the screen. Um, so Galatians chapter 2, 1 verse 17. I'm going to read it. We're going to unpack it. And we're going to walk away from here, changed by God's glory. So Galatians chapter 2 says, Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of the revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel. I want you guys to hear that. He set before these people the gospel. That's what's important this morning, the gospel. The gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain, but even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery. To them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. Verse number 9. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and to me, and we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. And we'll stop there for the moment. Let us pray once again. Father, we ask that your word would penetrate deeply down into our hearts, that it would do as it says it will. It would cut to the, the deep tissues of our, our souls and change us and convict us and encourage us to be more like Christ Jesus. God, I pray that you would use my words, use my tone, use my uh, thoughts, and may they glorify you. And may I say what you want me to say exactly this morning. God, for your name we give glory and honor and praise. Amen. And so I want to just read that first section. There's a couple more pieces we're going to get to. But the idea this morning is that there are uh, oppositions to the gospel. And we're going to define the gospel in just a moment. But there are oppositions to the gospel, and then there is the true gospel. And in our day and age, there are many, many ideas, even inside the church, that are inconsistent with the gospel of grace as Jesus defines in the Bible. But then there again, there is a true gospel, a true gospel that we have to uh, live up to, understand, and also own. And so again, the question this morning is, what pleases God? I'm sure we've all asked that question at some length. What pleases God? And for me, when I grew up, one of the things that I wanted to do in my life was to please my father. Any people pleasers in here this morning? I want to please my father, I want to please my mother, my coach, somebody I used to be a people pleaser to the nth degree. Now, I have an older brother, as many of you know. He's, uh, he's 15 months older than me. And one thing that he had that I didn't uh, growing up uh, as I was 15 and he was 16, he had a job. All right? He had a job. He had a car. He had some money. And some of you guys know my story. My dad, uh, over the past decade or two, uh, has been homeless. 
um, has lived in about 35 different locations. Um, he's not well off at all. And so growing up, my dad, um, I believe, favored my brother because he was able to provide food and money and transportation uh, to my father. And so there was a little bit of this battle going on. Um, who does dad love the most? And for me, honestly, in my heart of hearts, I believe that my, my father favored my brother because of the things that my brother could do for him. Because of my brother's performance, my dad loved him or favored him a little bit more than me. Um, and, and, and I think that's just, that's just the real world. I think that sometimes parents favor kids, and, um, and that's just true this morning um, in some family dynamics. I'm not saying it's the right thing at all, but I think that it happens. And so what I think that you and I do sometimes is we take this same model. The more I do, the harder I work, the more righteous deeds I do, the more this happens, the more God will be pleased with me. I think you and I take that mindset into the relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father, that if we perform better, He'll love me more or accept me more. What we're going to discover this morning is that God does not love us more because of the things that we do. He does not love us more because of the things that we do. He loves us because we are his children. Simple. He loves us because we are his children. That by through faith in Christ Jesus alone, we get all the love and acceptance we will ever need in Christ Jesus. We don't have to perform. We don't have to do uh, crazy works. We don't have to, you know, do anything else on, on top of simple faith in Christ Jesus. So what pleases God? And as we've been in the, in the book of Galatians so far, what we see, I'm going to set this up for you just for a second, people are trying to discredit this guy named Paul. They're trying to say that he's not a true apostle, that his teachings are not right, uh, they're, they're inconsistent, all right? They're questioning his authority. Uh, there's this group of people called the Judaizers, um, who are trying to make the gospel about different things, all right? And Paul is communicating there is one gospel. Here's a good definition for us this morning. What is the gospel? Here's the gospel. God saves sinners. Say that with me. God saves sinners. That's it. That's the gospel. That God is holy, that all of us are sinful, and that he sends Jesus Christ to die in our place And if we have faith in Christ, we are saved. That's the gospel. It's not based on what you do or what I do. It's not based on your works, your good deeds, your righteousness, the way that you dress, the way that you look, the things that you say. It's not based on those things. It's based on Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. Amen? That's it. It's very simple this morning. That is the gospel. Here's a good way, a good scripture to kind of sum all that up. The book of Titus, chapter 3, verse 4 through 7. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, we'll stop there. God is good and loving. I want us to get that picture of God as we go out into the world. He is good and he is loving. He is kind towards us. He saved us. That's Titus 3, verse 5. He saved us. We didn't save ourselves, all right? Not because of works done by us in righteousness, But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Please get this. He is doing all of these things. We are not doing these things. He is doing all of these things. So that being justified by his grace, 
we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Isn't this just a great scripture for us this morning? The gospel means God saves sinners. We all were in this category. We all still sin today. But he saves us according to his riches, his mercy, his grace. He's doing it for us. And then we get to become co-heirs, children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. It is a beautiful, beautiful gospel. And so what Paul is doing is he's coming across people both inside the church and outside the church who are trying to share a false gospel. They're trying to say it's more than just that. It's more than just God saves sinners. You have to do other things on top of that. And Paul is coming against these things. Paul is coming up against people who are hypocrites, all right, and saying, if you believe this, well, then you act this way, you do these things. He's coming across some people preaching a false gospel. Have you ever come across somebody preaching a false gospel, trying to say things about Jesus or the gospel that is not in Scripture, trying to add things to uh, the, the, the equation of salvation? We all come across these opponents in our daily lives. And then what I like about this text is that Paul then has the courage to go to these people, one of these people being a giant in the Christian faith, Peter, and what he's able to do is confront them lovingly and restore them to the truth. And a part of our application this morning is going to be, are you and I willing to go to people who are saying things that are false and lovingly tell them the truth in the hopes of restoring them to the truth of the Bible. The true thing this morning, as we're seeing in culture and in every uh, idea out there in the world, is that the world does not want us to speak up for things that we see here. Are you guys facing that, or is that just me? Just me, that's great. Um, Well, so the truth is, is that things are going on in the world, a lot of different things. And when we speak up against these things... The world wants us to be quiet. The world wants to call us a hater or a bigot or um, just that we hate them. And And that's not true. But the world wants us to be quiet about such things. Read a couple of verses about this thought. Ephesians 4 says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. This is Ephesians chapter 4. But rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, Christ Jesus. So the world wants us to be quiet. They don't want Paul to speak out against hypocrisy or legalism. And our world is doing the very same thing to us today as it relates to several different topics. But what the Bible says, and what I need you to hear this morning, is that you and I are called to speak the truth in love. We can't miss either part of this equation, all right? I don't believe that you can love somebody, have truth, and hold it back from them. I talk about this in marriage counseling all the time. If there is something that's inconsistent with the Bible that you see in your relationship or in your fiancé, you are called to speak truth to them motivated by love, all right? Now, the flip side of that is to speak truth without love. That's not the equation either. 
We don't go out there and just blast people and blast ideas without love being the motivator. It's got to be both. But we have to have the courage to confront false ideas, the false gospel, speaking truth in love. And then know this, please, too. Matthew 5.10, Jesus speaking to, uh, to, to the people. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. And so speaking the truth, righteousness, in love is something that we're all called to do. And we have to know that people will persecute you when you tell truth. I get it all the time. I told you guys last week a guy wanted to stab me in the eye with a pen, right? Because he said that this was a comic book. And I simply said, no, this is the truth of God, right? People will persecute you. Please be aware of that. Please accept that. Please don't let that push you away from speaking truth and love. All of these ideas go together. And so I'm going to give you the, kind of the two big things that we're talking about this morning. Paul is coming up against two big ideas. Legalism, all right? Legalism is having a right behavior, so doing the right thing with a wrong belief, all right? I'm doing these righteous things, but for the wrong reasons, all right? Many of us fall into that category today. The second thing he's coming up against is hypocrisy, having a right belief, knowing that this is true, but then doing the opposite or condoning the opposite. That's hypocrisy, and that's what Paul's coming up against in our text this morning. And as we kind of navigate through these two ideas and understand the question, what pleases God, I want you to ask yourself this question. Is this me? Am I a legalist? Am I a hypocrite? Am I adding to this opposition to the gospel, which is simply God saves sinners. So let me give you the the two things that's going on here, all right? Um, What's happening first? Paul is going up to these these Jewish people, to some believers. And these believers, or these Judaizers, excuse me, are saying, in order to be saved, you have to be circumcised, all right? I'm not going to go into a big discussion on what circumcision is, but in order to be saved, there has to be something else. It's Jesus plus something, right? That's what the Jewish people are saying. In the Old Testament, we understand who the Jewish people are. In the New Testament, we, we, are, we are taught that the Gentiles, those who are not Jewish, are able to be in Christ Jesus. But these Jewish people are saying it's Jesus plus something else. You have to be circumcised. And so Paul takes with him this guy named Titus, right? Titus is a Greek. He is a Jew. And what Paul is saying is, here is my brother Titus, He is a Jew, he's like you, but he is not circumcised, and he is a brother in Christ Jesus. Don't tell us that you have to be circumcised in order to be saved in Christ Jesus. That's not true. That's not true. And sometimes we want to add things to the equation too, right? We want to tell people, um, believe in Christ Jesus as your Savior. It's by grace, through faith alone. But then you have to do this, 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 and this. We've all done it before, right? I've done it before. It's by, it's by, it's through grace, through faith. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved, period. And then we want to add to it. You have to dress like this. You have to look like this. You have to talk like this. You have to come to all of these different things in the church um, that God might love you uh, because of the things that you do by your performance. We want to add things to the equation. We're all guilty of these things. 
And what Paul is pointing out here, it's by faith alone, through the grace of God, that we're saved. Maybe you've come here this morning and you're, you, you don't know this to be true. Or maybe you, you, you wrestle with this truth, that it has to be Jesus plus something else. And the truth this morning is it's Jesus only. The Bible says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Christ is Lord and that he has risen from the grave, you will be saved. If you believe that today, that's what saves you. That's what washes you clean. Confessing our sins to him, trusting that he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Perhaps today you've come in here thinking, I have to do something else for God to love me. I have to do something more. I want you to hear this. He's already done the work. Isn't that so freeing? He's already done the work on the cross You and I simply believe. And out of that belief then comes change. Out of that belief, I will want to do this, that, and the other. I will want to be holy. I will want to be righteous. But those things don't earn me favor. Jesus Christ has already done that. Amen? We understand that. Let's live out that truth. And so Paul is confronting this thing. Paul is confronting these legalists saying, no, it's just Jesus Christ alone. And we have to understand today, as Paul does as well, that legalism is in opposition to the gospel. This morning, if you're telling people Jesus plus something, please stop. Please know that you're in opposition to what God says is true. Faith alone. Faith alone. So the second big piece this morning. Again, some of us are legalists. We have to protect that and be aware of these things. The second big piece is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is in opposition to the gospel. Hypocrisy is right belief, so knowing the word of God. I know a lot of people that know this, but that don't practice this, or that condone things contrary to what the Bible would say. That's hypocrisy. And so here's a situation that we come up up against in, in, in verses 11 through 14 in Galatians chapter 2. Paul is hanging out with this guy named Peter, right? If you've read the Bible before, there's this guy named Peter who is a a very boisterous, loud um, preacher. Um, He loves Jesus. Um, And so what's going on here is Peter, a Christian, is sitting down to eat with these Gentiles, all right? And his Jewish friends come along, and immediately Peter gets up from the table as if he's not supposed to be eating with these Gentiles. You guys ever done that before? Hang out with somebody, your friends come along, and then you just kind of shun them and hang out over here. That's exactly what Peter is doing. He's a hypocrite. Because what the gospel says is there is no partiality now. All of us can be in Christ Jesus to those who believe. We do not uh, show partiality. We do not judge uh, the rich or the poor. We don't judge the well-educated and the less educated. We don't judge people. All are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Peter, of all people, knows this. If you want to take a quick note, Acts chapter 10, Peter receives this vision from God. And this is the vision. This sheet comes down out of heaven and it covers the earth. And these four-legged animals are on this sheet. And if you keep reading in Acts chapter 10 and 11, you'll see what this vision is. And the vision is that there is now not a clean and unclean animal. All are clean. And the idea is that all of us can be in Christ that there's no longer Jew and Gentile, slave or free. We're all, we have all been able to uh, have acceptance in Christ Jesus. There's no separation now. 
So Peter knows this. He had given, been given a vision from God about this very same thing. And as we look in Galatians, he is being a hypocrite. He knows that eating at this table with this group of people is good, yet he allows people and his friends to help him get up from the table and become a hypocrite. I believe in the church, we're hypocrites. I believe there's so many different examples that I could give this morning where you and I are hypocrites. That's the number one thing I hear from people who are not Christians is what's holding me back a little bit is the fact that I see those people in your churches who are doing these things, and I know my Bible a little bit, and they're not supposed to be doing those things, yet they do those things. Your church people are hypocrites. And I would say, and I say to them every time, you are exactly right. And I hope that today we can own this, that there are times in our lives where we are hypocritical, that the Word of God speaks to so many different things that we're to be, and you and I fall short. I pray that we can own this truth today, that I'm a hypocrite at times, that you're a hypocrite at times, and that we own this and repent of these things and be changed to not be a hypocrite any longer. It's not my desire to be a hypocrite. It's not your desire to be a hypocrite. But we do these things because we are sinful people. And so Paul is confronting this hypocritical attitude. I want to give you a couple of examples how you and I can be hypocrites. Let's just be real this morning, all right? I just did a wedding last night. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is complete sacrifice, men. That's what we're called to do. When we don't do that, I would say we're being hypocritical. When we're not sacrificing ourselves for our wives, if you're married this morning. There's other examples. Jesus came for the poor and the powerless in our world. He came to save sinners. And when you and I ignore the poor and the powerless the orphan and the widow, as the Bible. When we ignore these people and don't go love these people, I would say we're being hypocritical. We're not doing what Jesus tells us to do. When Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and you and I never share the gospel, I would say that's hypocritical. Believing something to be true and then not doing it. When the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself, and we don't even know our neighbors, or maybe we don't like our neighbors and we don't do anything for them or give them any attention whatsoever, I would say, are we living out what we believe to be true? That's tough this morning, isn't it? I feel the pain too. I'm a hypocrite too. I think we all are in some respects. We die to that sin. We ask God to forgive us for those things. We ask God to enlighten us to how we are hypocritical and we run away from those things that we could live in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to share a couple of other examples of hypocrisy uh, in our day and age. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? These things I'm about to say are big time things. To these things, people will not inherit the kingdom of God, so says 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Listen to these things. Sexual immorality. This covers a wide gamut of things. 
people having sex before marriage, people having sex outside of marriage, sexual immoral people will not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't say these things this morning to condemn you. I say these things to us this morning to break our hearts that we could go lovingly tell somebody the truth of the gospel. Amen? Listen to the list. Sexual immoral. Idolaters. If you have somebody or something above Jesus Christ in your heart, you are an idolater. You have idols in your life that need to be torn down. The next one. Adulterers. We understand what adultery is. If you're in adultery, you know somebody, you condone that. These people will not inherit the kingdom of God. The next one, nor men who practice homosexuality. Now, I know this is an emotionally charged Sunday morning with this topic, but the Bible is clear. If you need a defense this morning to people who, who say homosexuality is okay, here it is. These people will not inherit the kingdom of God, men who practice homosexuality. These are not David's thoughts or your thoughts. These are God's thoughts, all right? The next one, thieves, people who steal things, thieves, greedy people. This morning, if you find yourself to be non-generous with your time and your money and your talents and you're greedy, the Bible says you will not inherit the kingdom of God, nor drunkards. This is a big one right here, nor drunkards. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Revilers, swindlers, none of these people. So we're not just picking on one of these sins today. It's, it's all of these things. Romans 1 goes on to say these things. That the people were, were filled with unrighteousness, evil, they're coveters, they have malice in their hearts, they have envy. Do you have envy in your heart? Murderers, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossips. This is cutting this morning. Slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. Just look around our world today. People are just inventing evil things. You look on the internet, on YouTube, Facebook. People are just, sins that you never thought would be possible. You're just seeing these things pop up. Inventors of evil, disobedient to their parents. Where's the youth and kids at this morning? Disobedient to their parents. This is big-time stuff. This isn't just mom and dad smacking on the wrist and saying, stop. This is big-time stuff this morning. Big time. You're welcome, parents. Um, <laughs> though they know God's righteous decrees, that's what we're talking about this morning. Though they know God's righteous decrees, those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Those words are heavy this morning. Please hear these words. These people will not inherit the kingdom of God and deserve to die. The people who practice these things and then who approve of these things happening. And this covers this entire list. Please don't hear that we're picking on one of the, this entire list. We have to go inside of our hearts, church, and say, do I envy somebody? Am I greedy? Do I have hate in my heart? Do I disobey my parents? Am I being sexually immoral? Do I have idols in my life? Are there things that are more important to me than Jesus Christ and knowing him? These questions are for us this morning, and they're also for our culture. 
Are we hypocrites? As I've listed that list out this morning, I would say that there are some places in our lives where we are hypocrites. We own this, we repent and turn away from these things, and we live in light of the gospel of grace. That is through faith alone. Now, I want to talk for just about two minutes. You probably knew this was coming this morning. The church has to say something about uh, the SCOTUS ruling that happened this week, the Supreme Court justice ruling. The church has to speak, all right? We speak truth and love. We cannot be silent on this topic or, again, all these other topics, all right? Don't lose sight of these other things as well. They're all here together. What do we do right now? What do we say right now? Number one, we love everyone. Can I get an amen? Amen. We love everyone. We love the homosexual. We love the idolater. We love the adulterer. We love the gossiper. We love the slanderer. We love everybody. We love everybody. You've been seeing it on Facebook and Twitter, hashtag love wins this week. I would say love has already won at the cross. That's, that's when love won. Let me make sure we're clear on that. Love won when Christ Jesus died for our sins, amen? That's when love won. And now we, because we've been changed by the cross, the gospel of Jesus Christ, we go out and we share love to the world. We love people. Now, I know that we're going to get agitated at times, irritated, all right? We love. We do not hate anybody. I want to make sure that we're clear on that. We come with love, the message of love, to everybody. The next piece that we have to understand as a church, we will stand for truth, okay? We will stand for truth and not let our culture or our government dictate God's unchanging word. Our word for 2015 is the word, right? We've been in the Bible. We love the Bible. We teach the Bible We believe that the Bible is relevant for you today and for me today, that this is truth. This is what we stand upon, nothing else. Not your ideas or my ideas or the government's ideas. We stand here. Amen? We stand right here. Right? I want to read a scripture to you. Maybe you want to take this and and write this down and and live inside of this even more today. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6. The armor of God. We stand for truth. Listen to this this morning. Finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, not our might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. All the things I mentioned today are the schemes of the devil, all of them. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. I hope that you know we're living in a dark age. We are. The spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Listen to what you need to do and what I need to do. Take up the whole armor of God. This is for you and your family and your children and your neighbors. Take up the armor of God this morning. That you may be able to withstand in the day of evil and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth. We will stand for truth. The Bible is true. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, we will be righteous. We will not be haters. And as for your, and shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, we will be ready to go out into the world and proclaim the good news of the gospel of peace. 
not a division, all right? He goes on. In all circumstances, taking up the shield of faith, we have to have faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Take the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Church, this morning we're going to stand for truth on this topic of homosexuality, on the topic of gossips and slander and envy and all of these things. We're going to stand up for truth. We're not just going to pick on one or the other. We're going to talk about all of these things. All right? Number three, in relationship to the ruling that we heard. We are going to share the gospel. I don't know about you, but I am so excited about the hundreds of opportunities that you and I are going to have to share the gospel. Do you guys see it like that? How easy is it going to be to go up to somebody and say, what are your thoughts about the Supreme Court ruling? That's an easy question, an easy opener to talk to anybody about, and then we have the ability to then share the gospel of grace and peace. Amen? I really, really pray that you look at this whole situation. I want you to know God is not surprised at all. God has obviously allowed these things to take place. All right? He's not surprised. He's sovereign. He's in control of everything. I believe that this could be one of the number one opportunities that the world has ever seen for God's people to show love and to speak truth, and to share the gospel. May we go forth in the truth of the gospel and have these conversations. I'm counting on you guys. I'm counting on you guys and myself to be prepared with the armor of God to share the truth and to see lives come to Christ through this situation in our world. And finally, on this topic, and then I'll read a quote, we'll move on. We're running late today. we got chicken to eat, right? Um, I want to encourage you If you have children, I want to encourage you in the church to disciple your children and the church well, all right? Parents, we have an enormous responsibility. If we are not teaching our kids and if our church leaders aren't teaching the church truth, the culture is going to do it, right? The culture is going to do it by default or by being in our face. We have to teach the truth of the gospel, be encouraged today. Step up your game, parents, all right? Have more conversations with your kids about these things because they're going to grow up in a culture where same-sex marriage is, is normal. Teach your kids the truth, please, please. I want to give you a quote, then we're going to finish up. There's a guy by the name of Al Mohler. He is um, he's on a coalition called the Gospel Coalition. This is kind of a quote that he said that I just kind of copy and paste it into my notes because I loved it. It says, we are called to be the people of truth, even when the truth is not popular, and even when the truth is denied by the culture around us. We're the people of truth. Christians have found themselves in this position before, and we will again. God's truth has not changed. The Holy Scriptures have not changed. The gospel of Jesus Christ has not changed. The church's mission has not changed. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. Live in this truth. Don't be um, torn down and, and dismayed. 
God knows what's going on. Be the light and the salt of the world. And I've got about 20 more minutes of notes, but I'm not going there, all right? Not going there. I want to say these last couple of things, and we'll wrap up in prayer. There is the gospel. God saves sinners, not because of anything we've done. We are not righteous. He is. What pleases God? Not legalism. Not hypocrisy. If you're in Christ, do not add anything to Christ. If you're in Christ, live out the scriptures. Do not be a hypocrite. Be the salt and the light of the world. And hear this. The Bible says that to those who are spiritual, when you see a brother or sister caught in sin, pray to God, but then have the courage to go talk to the person because you love them. What I love here is that Peter, or Paul goes up to Peter. Peter is this giant in the faith, and Paul says, by getting up from that table, you have misrepresented the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're sending the wrong signal. We're sending the wrong signal, people. We have to be people of the truth, not hypocrites. The world is watching. The world is watching how we're going to respond in this situation. Love, truth, share the gospel of peace. And so he confronts these people. Quick story, then we're done. Billy Graham, you guys have heard of him before? He's kind of up and coming, um, new guy. Uh, But Billy Graham, he was out preaching a crusade one day at this huge stadium. And the organizers of the crusade had these uh, ropes, roping off sections of of the uh, stadium. And Billy's walking around, and he's like, what are these ropes for? And they say, the ropes are to section off people, black and white. And Billy says, I ain't preaching tonight. I am not going to go up there and preach a gospel of unity and grace and peace when you're out here sectioning off people based on their skin color. It's hypocritical to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I ain't doing it. So Billy's got some, got some clout to him. They take him down. He preaches. I'm assuming hundreds and thousands are saved. Guys, we can't be hypocrites. We have to first of all know this and live it out. Do not be hypocrites. And so the last question, what pleases God? Not legalism, not hypocrisy, simply faith. Faith. Right belief with right behavior. Right belief, right behavior. Have faith in God. That's what pleases him. Because Christ Jesus died in our place, God is pleased with Jesus. If we're in Jesus, God is pleased with us. That's the only way. The only way to please him is to be in Christ Jesus. Amen. This morning, may you and I not be legalists. May we not be hypocrites. May we be true to the word. May we speak truth in love. May we disciple our kids. May we go forth and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And please hear this last piece. May you and I have the courage to go talk to people when there are things not consistent with the word. Talk to your kids, your neighbors, your workplace friends, your coworkers, people in the church. We've got to have conversations. All right? Have conversations. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We always will stand upon it. We will never deviate from it, Lord. Please help us not to do this, God. There are so many times where it's so easy to look at the culture and say, what is the culture doing? What are they saying? What new ideas are they bringing to the table? 
But God, we understand that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever, that your word does not change. Your word has not changed in over 2,000 plus years. It will never change. It will stand the test of time. God, we understand in the Old Testament, the Bible says, oh God, that the grass will wither and fade away, but the word of God will stand forever. And this morning, we want to be people of the word. God, I know that we all have mixed feelings and opinions and thoughts. God, we all have people, especially on this topic of same-sex marriage, who, who are in that phase of life, or whatever we want to call that. God, I have, as you know, a cousin who is, is a homosexual. And, and God, I know that people in this world are idolaters and, and adulterers and all of these things that we've talked about today. It's easy to look at our friends and family members and have compassion, and we should have compassion and love for these people. But God, may we speak truth. May we exalt Christ and share the gospel of grace and truth because your word never changes, Lord. May we not yield from the truth, but as Paul does, stand firm in the faith. As Paul does, confronting Peter and telling him, no, that is not the way of the gospel. God, I pray that you would give us courage today to go out in love and in compassion and tell the world the truth of the gospel. May we not deviate from it. May we not be hypocrites or legalists, God, but may we live in light of the truth of the glorious grace of Jesus Christ, Lord. God, give us compassionate hearts, loving hearts, and I pray that you would ramp up our ability to, to teach our kids truth and to teach the church truth. May we rest in the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ today. God, I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.